We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so welcome everyone back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince, that's Brian. We are going to jump into our comments and questions. It is our daily mailbag yep. piece, and uh, I'm excited to jump in because, of course, everybody has been loading up the questions in the comments uh, since, what, about an hour before the show even started. Mm-hmm. So, uh, par for the course with our uh, wonderful Irish Breakdown family, Brian, Um Let's see here. So let's just jump right in. Skylar Hill says, I missed the chance to ask this yesterday. If Griffin exceeds expectations, will Hamilton be one of the best safeties to ever wear the blue and gold? I personally don't think that Houston Griffith needs to be that for that to happen. I mean, I just think I just think Houston Griffith has to just be okay. If he's okay, Kyle Hamilton's going to have it. I think Kyle Hamilton's going to have a great statistical year anyway. It's just how will it impact the whole defense? I don't think I don't think Houston has to be a great player for Notre Dame to um for Kyle Hamilton to have a big year. And, mm-hmm. and then I think if Kyle Hamilton just has a normal sophomore to junior year jump, I think he'll go down as one of the best safeties to to play at Notre Dame in a, a very long time. I mean, he's got a pretty high bar to set to pass in Kyle ha- in Harrison Smith. That's true, right? The, the highest paid safety like, in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And, and he was pretty good in Notre Dame, too. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And then uh, then you go back to, like, Glenn Earl and Jerome Sapp that year that they were together in, what, 02. They were pretty good safety tandem. You had, you know, Tom Zibikowski was was not a great player, but he at least had a great reputation. You know, I mean, there's been some safeties. You, then you go back in the 90s and, you know, look at some of the great safeties. They had back Pat Terrell and Jeff Burris. I mean, so, the, so they've had some pretty good players at that position. I think – I think with a big season, I certainly think that Kyle Hamilton has an opportunity to go down as, as one of the all-time greats at that position, which is saying a lot when you're talking about a guy being that that recognized. But that's how good he was last year. That's how talented he is, and that's how good I can think he, he can be this year. Well, I think Zibby, his reputation also helped that he was a punt returner, right? Yeah, I mean, and he had some pick sixes, and I mean, he made yeah. some big plays, but he was also a very inconsistent guy that got beat yeah. a lot. Just, oh, he was. Yeah, no question. He was more reputation than he was actual production, in my opinion. 
Sean Rogers says, let's go. Can't wait for this one. Looking forward to breaking down the good, bad, and the ugly on Notre Dame's first victim of the 2021 mm-hmm. season. Kevin Thomas is really excited for this break from coding. Uh, a lot of the pundits mm-hmm. I've been I've seen who view us as a nine and three or eight and four mark uh, this game as a really close one. We should put the beat down on them. Should. And that's the should, key, yeah. right? Should. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing is they should, but openers can be a little tricky. Mm-hmm. And I just, I need to, I need before, I mean, look, I'm, I've, I've said for a while, I'm cautiously optimistic about this offense, Absolutely. but I have to see it first. Yep. I just, I have to see it first. Tommy Gunn jumping in with a prediction 34 to seven Notre Dame FSU gets shut out for the first three and a half quarters. Freeman debut is an absolute success. Offense struggles early after a first possession score, but finishes strong. I have a, I have a feeling that we're putting a little bit more pressure or more, not hype. Or I'm going to say this correctly. We're, we're putting a little bit of a too high expectation there on what um, the defense is going to do Marcus against Freeman. this kind of offense. Yeah. I mean, if you hold them to 17 or fewer points, that's a very good opening game performance against this offense. You know, very good. If I think sep- under 17 would be very good. A great one would be, you know, 10 to 14. Keep them to seven, that would shock me. Because, again, you've got a heck of a quarterback. You've got some athletic players, really good running backs, and an offensive coach. Because remember something else. Mike Norvell didn't get a coach the Notre Dame game last year. He tested That's positive right. for COVID. That's right. So he wasn't even there. I forgot about that. And so I, I think that this offense at Florida State is going to be better than that. I'll say this. Tommy, if that's the score of this game, or that at least at the very least, that's the spread, I'm going to feel really good about what this team and what this defense is going to be. Kevin Thomas jumping in. He goes, I honestly see us scoring on our first possession. They're absolutely, they're probably going to have Cone take a shot down the field just to send a message. That'd be great. I like the thought process on that. I really do. Uh, Brent Byers jumping in 49 to 10 Irish Chris Tyree with a monster game breaking multiple long touchdown runs so fired up that Reese said quote gonna get Chris involved as much as possible in a variety of ways unquote I mean that's kind of what we talked about and what he talked about in the spring I mean I I know that there's I'm sure there was an article coming out by somebody they interviewed in the summer but that's kind of what we've been saying for a while um, and he's been saying it for a while, but again, words don't matter to me right now. I mean, we've seen Brian Kelly in the offseason say, we're going to do this, this, and this, and then you get to the season and that's not what they do. So I hope that that's true. And 49 to 10, again, if, if Notre Dame beats Florida state 49 to 10, then this team is going to be way better even than I think. And I think they can be a title contender. Like I just, I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive game early just because openers tend to go that way, especially an opener where your offense is replacing so many um, players. I mean, I just, I, I, if they come out just clicking right away, I'm going to be like, wow, wow, this team's going to be really good. And, and that's taking into account that the fact that Florida State does have a bad defense. But I love the optimism. Yeah, and we talked about the Notre Dame receivers versus the corners uh, for Florida State. And Brent said it's going to be fun to see how the wide receivers end up shaking out. A lot of talent, depth, and diversity there. Keys is going to have a huge year. And hopefully that starts out uh, right away. That's that's my plan. <laughs> Notre Dame 2164. Florida State is going to have to do better than five blocks of styrofoam for an offensive line to be able to compete with Notre Dame. Yeah, he's not wrong. But again... In today's era of college football, you can protect 
You can still make plays with a bad offensive line. That's what RPOs for. That's what perimeter screens are for. That's what moving the pocket is for. If you're a smart football coach, and I believe Mike Norvell is a smart football coach, he's not going to just have his quarterback sitting behind the seven yards behind the center every time the ball snapped. Right. They're going to do something. They're going to know that the offensive line stinks. They're going to know the talent that has coming back. They're not just going to sit there and just run inside zone and drop straight back the whole game. They're going to do some things to try to negate that. And that's where we're going to get a chance to see. Uh, our first chance to see just how good Marcus Freeman is, and and I I think it's I think it's going to be impressive. We get booted a little bit, Vince. Yeah, I got kicked okay. to the bottom. I'm at 106. So okay. if there's anything prior to that, you can throw it up. I, I'm 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 even lower than you are. Okay, all right. I'll just keep on trucking. If anybody so had if, anything, if we missed a comment, please just in. yeah, because we've said this before. Sometimes Streamyard just decides. Just, okay. Boop. We send you down, yeah. and so um, like completely random. If if we skipped your question, as you know, it's not intentional. Please fire it at us again. Uh, David Knight wants everybody to pump the brakes. Florida State will be no gimme, and we're not saying it's a gimme, but I, after watching some of their film, I, I'm not as worried about Florida State. Let's put it that way. For, yeah. me, for it, me, this is not a game Notre Dame should lose. Now, could it be more competitive than it should be? Yes. But this is not a game. If Notre Dame loses this game, it's a very, very bad sign. A lot of comments. You having trouble kept finding questions? Yeah, here's one. I'm in this kind of uh, piggybacks off of what you just said, Brian. But Matthew Ramirez says, if Notre Dame loses big against Florida State, will it be panic time in South Bend? Yeah. Especially if they lose big? Are you kidding me? Yes. Losing would make me panic, period. Losing big would, would, would be... Um, I feel like that what Kevin Bacon character was it Kevin no it wasn't Kevin Bacon who was the character in the end of Animal House like everyone remain calm <laughs> go crazy yeah. that's exactly what it would be people are like everybody remain calm as everyone's just in panic mode and they would be right to be so that this yes. is that should not happen Maddie K fifty five do you guys think that this game between Florida State and Notre Dame could end up like the Duke Notre Dame game last year where Notre Dame defense locks up. But the offense struggles. This is what I'm kind of worried about. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that earlier in the show. I mean, or towards the end of the show, I, I, that is my concern. That I, I, I'm concerned that Notre Dame is going to come out and just say we're just going to do enough to win. That's what they look. That was what they did on offense all year last year. Just do enough to win, and they beat bad teams. And it, I, I well, we want to rehash last season again, but this schedule is going to be tougher than last year. Okay, it, it just is. You had one be, good yeah. Clemson team, right? And and Carolina pretty good. After that, your next best opponent was what BC and Pitt at six and five. This schedule is going to be a lot tougher, top to bottom, a lot tougher. And so you can't just do enough to win this year. You have to be your best. You have to maximize what your program can be. And playing like they did in the Duke game, where you just because what happened was is Ian Book threw that pick early, and after Kelly was like, okay. Just, you know, just just run it. You know, they came out second half, just kind of ran it down North Florida Duke's throat. Didn't really build on, you know, didn't really build anything, didn't establish anything, and then just that was kind of the M.O. The, the rest of the year. Coleman Smith says the offense will struggle in the first half. My score prediction is 34-10. to 10. Look, if I it ends up being 34-10, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, and, and, I'm, and I'd be okay if the offense struggles early but then kicks it into gear in the second half and wins 34-10. to 10, uh, Okay, great. Yeah. That's a good. That's a, that's a really good opening win. And holding mm-hmm. Florida State to 10 points would be a good sign for the defense too. 
And then he follows it up. Is is, is Milton their quarterback for sure in 2021? No. I don't uh, believe so. I mean, I'll be it's kind of like Jack Cohn and Drew Pine. I'll be, except in this sense, since Drew Pine has more experience. I'll be surprised if Mackenzie Milton, if healthy, isn't their starter. But it's not it's just going to get handed to him. But, I mean, Vince, you watched the spring game. He's their best quarterback. No it's question. just as he healthy and, yeah. and, and all that. And you want to make sure Jordan Travis stays locked in. But he's their best quarterback. I mean, it's, it's, and it's not really close. I agree completely. And, he, he, the, you know, he hasn't been named the starter yet because there's still some questions that have to be answered. And they're going to have a competition. And they need to – Jordan Travis, to me, is, has – has been good enough and played hard enough and and battled enough and done the things you've asked him to do where he deserves the opportunity to go into the fall with a legitimate chance to, to, to beat McKenzie out. I just don't think he's going to. Right. Jonathan uh, Kazmarek, uh, Florida State is going to be coming out hot in this one, boys. I liken it to Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game in 2018. Loud crowd, slow start for Notre Dame, but ultimately it's going to be a win for Notre Dame. I think a lot of people are in that neighborhood um, of, mm-hmm. of a potential struggle early for Notre Dame, but then they pull it out in the end. Yeah, I mean, because that game was like what? It was like um, ten to six, right? And then uh, uh, Julian Love had that fumble return, I believe, is how that game went down. And then they just kind of broke it open. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up that box box score, but I I remember one play from that game where Florida State was uh, had had they got a defensive or they broke a big play. I think that Notre Dame was up ten to six. And they broke a big run. And remember, Osmar Bilal caught that guy from behind, like right short of the goal line. And Notre Dame ended up having a stand and forced a field goal. And Notre Dame, that's kind of when that was their shot, right? Mm-hmm. That was that was that was their shot to kind of take the lead. And then Notre Dame, um, you know, Notre Dame was up. I think only a point at halftime. I'm trying to pull up the box score. It was like 17-16. Uh, yeah, Julian Love had a uh, Notre Dame was up 10-9. Julian Love returned a, the fumble for a touchdown, like with a minute left, and Virginia Tech went right down and scored 17-16, and then Notre Dame just broke it open in the second half. You had Dexter's long touchdown, and Miles had a couple touchdown passes, and they just they wore him out in the second half. I could see something like that, and, and I'd be if Notre Dame goes into Florida State and wins like forty-five to twenty, and it's a somewhat competitive game early, and they they wear him out in the second half. I can live with that as long yeah. as it's. Be aggressive because I'm 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 okay if they make some mistakes or I'm okay if Jack Cohen has a couple overthrows or underthrows earlier if there's a drop or two or a couple missed assignments on the offensive line early just be aggressive and stick with it make your adjustments at halftime and then go on the second half and do what you're supposed to do that I just don't want to see Kelly if there's mistakes in the first half Kelly saying you know what screw it let's just run the ball and get out of here and do all I don't want to see that that's that that would uh, be a bad sign for me. D-Rock Irish has a very interesting uh, take here, and you mentioned it uh, when we were talking about being down at Notre Dame or being down at Florida State. He says, huge recruiting night for Florida State. Uh, the Knoll podcast doesn't think they can win on the field, but keeping the game close will get commitments. Yeah. That's the current FSU mindset. That's a great mindset to That's have. That's a great mindset yeah. if you're Florida State. A great yeah. one. Well, hey, it's it's a lot like, today. yeah, I mean, we've seen that with Notre Dame in the past, right? Like. You know, where, where people say, oh, man, Notre Dame, that's impressive that they didn't lose to that team. It was competitive. You know, the bar was kind of low. Well, you know, I think of the Georgia game in 2017, people were shocked that Notre Dame kept that game close. Well, then nobody knew how good Notre Dame was going to be that year. But, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, and, and keeping it compet- no, keeping it close doesn't mean getting a couple mop-up touchdowns and, and only losing by 10 the way that, you know, Notre Dame only lost by 17 to Alabama. It needs to be a game where, like, you know, a couple things go your way. Maybe you could have got that W, you know, a game sure. where you really felt like you could compete. 
I think that'd be a huge win for them from a recruiting standpoint. No question about it. Shannon Hayek, this is great. Is everyone ready for the for one of the most annoying bands in the country in Florida State? One yard gain, and then they play that same thing that they always play, right? Uh, Florida State quarterback gets sacked. Here comes the band again. I do yeah. find that funny. Them and USC. Them and USC are possibly the height of annoying bands. I'll say mm-hmm. it. David Knight says, I would like to see Florida State beat Miami. Miami fans, well, it was the the parking lot, commenters, beer stand. That is why we lost. Yeah, Miami. I just don't like Miami fans. And that's I okay. I, yeah. That is okay. I, I would like to see Florida State win that game. And, and that that also is another one of those games. There's a... Yeah, obviously they beat Clemson on the road. That'd be a huge win, but that that's not going to happen. You know, they they need one of those kind of wins. You know, where they upset Miami at home. You know, because Miami's going to be a pretty good team this year. Where that you know, maybe they go on the road and beat North Carolina. They upset North Carolina last year. You know, maybe they go on the road and beat North Carolina. Those are the kind of the, the surprise upset wins that I think Florida State has to have this year if they're going to, uh, you know, kind of get to that maybe eight nine win mark. That really is that kind of big step forward that I think that they would need, which would have a huge. Huge impact on their culture, kids buying in. It's kind of like, you know, it reminds me of kind of like the Notre Dame in 2011 or 2010 under Brian Kelly. And man, one point in time that year, they were four and five and had losses to Tulsa Navy. But then they got that big Utah win. And then that team just had a lot of confidence. And then they ended the year, they only went eight and five. But man, they ended the year hot. They beat Utah, they smashed Miami in a bowl game, and they went into that next season with a lot of optimism. Didn't work out, but. You know, I feel like that that's something we can maybe see from, from Florida State as well. Coleman asking, uh, who would you say is the best position players on offense? They haven't been uh, good enough to pay attention to. <laughs> well, I would uh, I would not disrespect them in that manner. Uh, I, you know, I, look, I think their running backs are, are, are really good. Deshaun Corbin's a kid that Notre Dame recruited. I mean, when I say really good, they're not like Travis Etienne, but like they're good players. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Tofili, I think he's a good football player. But at the end of the day, their best player on offense, if he's healthy, is going to be Mackenzie Milton. Again, this is a big if because that was a devastating knee injury. And I don't know if he's going to be healthy and back to the old Mackenzie Milton. But if he's healthy and he's the guy, anything close to the guy he was at UCF, he's their best football player. There's no question about it. But, you know, again, best player, a lot of the guys they have are, you know, guys that haven't got a chance to play a whole lot. You know, a lot of those freshman receivers haven't had a chance to play a whole lot, but there's mm-hmm. talented guys there. They're just not talented enough where they should really be able to, to work Notre Dame. D-Rock says, from a Florida State podcast, Mackenzie Milton's mobility due to his injury is still a question mark by Florida State analysts. Notre Dame needs to pressure Milton and make him feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that will be a problem. I, I have yeah. a feeling that whoever is the quarterback is not going to feel super comfortable uh, back there. Right, and, and the thing, too, about his mobility, I think that's going to be more impactful in regards to his running, like – as opposed to his movement in the pocket. I actually thought he moved good in the pocket as far as like buying time, throwing on the run. You mentioned the one throw he had on the run in the game, Vince. I'm not as concerned about that yeah. as I am. Uh, I mean, as far as mobility, I just I don't think he's going to be the runner he was back then. But I think his pocket mobility will be will be okay. It's just I don't think he's going to be the, 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 the playmaker with his legs that he was before. But I, he's not going to be a statue back there. I mean – that's not something I'm concerned about. At least that's based on what we saw in the spring. Sure. Matty K, 55. I think Notre Dame defensive line should have a field day against that FSU O-line. We have a lot of NFL talent on our def- on our defense, and I don't think that O-line will handle it well. Yeah. 
And Tommy's next question, uh, was it Willis McGahee-esque referring to the McKenzie Milton knee injury? It was worse, in my opinion. I mean, he missed – this. that happened in 2018. Yeah. He missed two full seasons of football because of that knee injury. Yep. So it was it was as it was as bad of an injury I've ever, as I've ever seen the, a kid come back from, and that's why I'm actually after September 5th I'm going to be rooting like crazy for Mackenzie Milton next year. Not so much on September 5th. Of course, D Rock says uh, I'm glad the game is scheduled in the evening. A day game in Tallahassee with extreme heat and Florida summer humidity would be a physical test alone for the Irish. No question. Mm-hmm. That that's definitely uh a check mark in Notre Dame's favor, uh for sure. Notre Dame 2164, does it worry you guys at all if Florida State gets the ball to some of their skill players in space? Yeah. Sure. I mean, Notre Dame's gonna have to tackle well this game. I mean, that's yes. the thing is not just the receivers, but you know, they're gonna get the ball to the Deshaun Corbin and Lawrence Tefili a lot in the in the past game. You know, they're gonna get them on screens and and getting the ball on the perimeter, so absolutely, that's going to be that's going to be something that Notre Dame is going to have to pr- tackle well. If they don't tackle well, Florida State has guys that can turn, you know, a screen pass into a 20, 25 yard gain, or, or sure. you know, e- even more. So yeah, you have to tackle well. You have to take good angles of the football, and that's what Florida State's going to do. That that's a, that's what Mike Norvell's offense is all about: getting the ball in space, creating isolations, creating mismatches. And saying, hey, you're going to have to run a long way and you're going to have to to tackle guys in space and all that kind of stuff. And they have playmakers that if Notre Dame doesn't tackle well, isn't assignment sound, they're going to be able to make some more plays and make this game more competitive than it should be. Coleman Smith says Notre Dame needs to get the young guys in the game against Florida State. I would love to see Styles and Colsey play against the first two opponents. Well, I want to see Styles and Colsey play against all 12 opponents. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Uh, he's got a specific question down here. He says, do you think Jaden Thomas will have any impact in his first two years at Notre Dame? Yeah, it'd be nice if he did. I mean, I don't see it. I just think there's too many, there's too much talent ahead of him, but, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't see that. While you're looking, I get Brent's comment here. Response to Coleman's. He says, I'm not worried about Florida state in space. We have elite playmakers like Kyle Hamilton that can clean up if by chance, they somehow break one past the first down markers. But but that's the thing, though. Is if they're breaking a bunch of them past the first down markers and Kyle Hamilton's having to clean them up, every time you get a first down, that's another you're, – you're, one, you're, what, 10-plus yards closer to a touchdown and getting the points. So I, I am worried about it because, again, if you are make, missing a lot of tackles, that means Florida State's going on drives. That means Florida State has opportunities to, to put the ball in the end zone or get points. So, yeah, it's problematic. Now, my is it problematic from the standpoint of – Florida State's going to win the game. They'd have to play pretty bad for that to happen, but that is problematic. Plus, again, it's it's it would then make concerns of okay, what's going to happen when you're playing Cincinnati? What's going to happen when you're playing North Carolina? What's going to happen when you're playing USC? So, so that those that I am concerned about it. I'm not worried that Florida State's going to have Devonte Smith doing you know doing to Notre Dame what Devonte Smith did to Notre Dame in the in the playoff. But yeah, it concerns me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coleman Smith says, I hope Freeman's defense allows our linebackers to play more downhill. It seemed in Lee's defense they were more hesitant to thump somebody. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't agree with that. I wouldn't agree with that at all. I mean, I, I didn't, when I watched Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney in 2018, Vince, did you get the, te- did you get the thought that they were hesitant to thump anybody? I did not. I didn't. I thought, I didn't think Osmore Bilal was even remotely hesitant to thump somebody in 2019. I think that they just had a, I mean, Jeremiah Wusu wasn't afraid to thump somebody. Go ask the running backs from Florida state who he lit up a couple times last year. I think that was an issue at one position last year, Buck. That's it. I mean, Drew White didn't play well, but Drew White had plenty of, of th- well, thumping hits last year. And the, and the reason that you know maybe the perception that that Drew White didn't wasn't coming downhill fast or whatever is because a lot of times he was trying to make up for what was happening with the buck. but he still came down fast. He would he just did. come back. He'd hit the right yeah. wrong gap and things like that. Yeah. I mean, look, Drew White last year. We've talked about this. Drew White struggled last year compared to where he was in 2019, right? But Drew White still had like what nine tackles for loss. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just going to have to strongly disagree with that. Let's see. John Rich, interesting one here. He says, I just read that Seth from Pro Football Focus ranked Brian Kelly as the 12th best college football coach and Kirby Smart at Georgia as number three. Really? It is amazing how bad Pro Football Focus is at, at analysis. Like, they're really good at data. But when it comes to giving opinions, some of the things they say are just I, – I, I, I'm sorry to be disrespectful. It's just downright stupid. Like, this is the same organization that doesn't have – Michael Mayer is one of the top ten tight ends. Uh, this is – I mean, it just – they don't have Kyron Williams <laughs> as a top ten running back. You know, I mean, it, it's just – it's stupid. And, and so I'm sorry – I don't care what they say. And if someone's going to tell me that there's 11 better coaches in the in the country than, than Brian Kelly, because here's the thing, you guys, you idiots at Pro Football Focus, and I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, but I love their NFL guys, but their college guys are awful. If you're going to tell me that Notre Dame doesn't have a bunch of players that rank in the, you know, the, the Kyron Williams isn't that good, Michael Mayer's not that good, and other than Kyle Hamilton offensive line, they're not that good, and yet Notre Dame's been in the playoff two of the last three years, then wouldn't that then say that Brian Kelly's one heck of a football coach? You can't have it both ways, right? So it's just incredibly stupid analysis. And for Kirby Smart to be number three, are you kidding me? That's just someone whose opinion, John, I would say is probably not. I'm, I've honestly stopped reading Pro Football Focus. If I see them tweet out an All-American list, I'll see if Notre Dame guys are on it so that way I can turn it into a story because it's newsworthy. But I give zero time to actually reading their analysis after some of the just trash that I've read the last couple of years, it's just, it's sad too, because they had so much potential, but a lot of their good college guys 
have moved on to the NFL. Right. And and that's that's really what it comes down to. It, they're good for data collection, and that's about it. Coleman Smith says, this is off topic, but I did see Notre Dame is now favored to land 23 defensive back Justin Rett. If that pans out, that's a great start to the 23 secondary recruiting. Can we not, like every time a crystal ball is put up, come <laughs> into the chat and talk about it? Because how many times have we seen a crystal ball come up? You know, remember when there was crystal balls for Nicholas Singleton? And remember when there was crystal balls for Benjamin Morrison to Washington? Remember when a, a, an analyst at Pro at, at 24-7 a couple years ago put a crystal ball in for Xavier Watts to go to Nebraska despite the fact he'd already committed to Notre Dame? Like, can we not do that, right? I mean, if if yes, Justin Rett's a guy to keep an eye on. I'm going to have an article coming up here this later this week, early next week, where I kind of introduce you to some 2023 guys. He will be on that list. But yeah, I mean, let, let's yes, just I just don't want our shows to constantly turn into what crystal balls say. I don't like crystal balls. I've made my opinion known on that. And I, and I feel like it's great marketing because this is exactly what happens. There's a chat from some, that not a 24-7 chat that every time a crystal ball comes, what do people do? They come to the chat and they want to talk about it. And that's fine. I mean, I get it. But I just feel like, yeah, I, I, that's my crystal ball rant today. But I, Coleman, I appreciate you very much. You're always in our chats, and, and I love that you're in our chats. I just, I've kind of, I'm just tired of answering like, the crystal ball ones because you know what was it five days ago notre dame didn't have room for benjamin morrison and he was crystal balled everybody to washington right and what did i say uh they got room for him they would take him and they're still battling and now it's like now we'll look at it you know just let's let it let's let it happen you know if if tom's given a thought out analysis at 24 7 and you want to ask me about it that's cool because i respect tom i like tom and when he's writing and doing things like that, it's good stuff. But I just don't feel like we should have to constantly respond to every single crystal ball that goes out for kids because those things can they can change it every single day if they want to. Daily, yes, daily. And sometimes they do. Right. Kevin Carter says exactly, Brian. Not the same Florida State. Uh, my prediction is if Kelly lets Tommy take the training wheels off, I picture the defense as rabid dogs waiting to be released. Bold prediction. Five plus sacks, forty-two to nine. Whew! It's a lot of optimism about That'd that. That'd be a I fun love, game to watch. Love it. I would <laughs> love it. <laughs> that would be a fun game love to it. watch. Yep. Matt D says, "How many sacks will the Notre Dame defensive line make in the game with Florida State? If any, who will lead the team in sacks?" I mean, I hope they get. A, I hope they get at least four or five. I mean, I yeah. But again, I also am not someone who overly is concerned with sack numbers. I think disruption number. I mean, if I could have my choice between a sack or you hitting the quarterback as he's about to throw and the ball floating up in the air and you picking it off, I'd rather I'd rather absolutely. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that to me would be would be better for me than a sack. Um, I, I just yeah, but but it's more about the just the consistent disruption. The tackles for loss is going to be part of that too. I, you know, to me, this is a game you should have eight, nine total tackles for loss. You know, you should have at least four sacks. But, I mean, if you only get two sacks in the game, but you had fifth on the quarterback, that's really good. You know, that's a really good night of, of pressure. So I, I wouldn't get too wrapped up into the sacks, Matt. It's just that consistent pressure. Um, but who will lead the team in sacks? I mean, I, I, I wish I knew. Otherwise, I'd go put some money on it in Vegas and make me make me a lot of dough, and then I'd right. maybe retire, let Vince do all the work, and – <laughs> you know, be sipping my ties on a beach with Coach Kelly. You know what I mean? So, 
Uh, <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. So that was one of his greatest responses ever. Is and he may still actually be here for that game, but back when Notre Dame scheduled Texas to A and M, and it was like was like five years ago or something. It was like almost ten years away from when that game was going to happen. Yeah. And somebody asked him, you know, what you know, what do you think about the Texas A and M game? And he's like, you know what I think about the Texas A and M game. I think I'm going to be sitting on a beach somewhere sipping my ties. <laughs> it's a great response. It's a great response. That's about man. a game that's scheduled 10 years out. Like, come on. It was a great response. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was uh, awesome. Really good question here by Brian. Uh, he says, is it worthwhile to take the time and rewatch last year's game? Yeah. Talking about Florida Yeah, State I think now. so. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't invest too much in it, but I, I think you can learn a little something about, about Jordan Travis, the kind of the running backs. I think you can learn a little something about them. Uh, I think you can see the linebackers play. So, I mean, I would key on them. I wouldn't focus too much on the secondary because a lot of those guys aren't going to be in this game. You know, I wouldn't focus too much on the defensive line because most of those guys aren't going to be in this game. Uh, but I think offensive line-wise, I think uh, running back-wise, quarterback-wise, and scheme-wise, you can learn some things from it. But I, I wouldn't – It wouldn't. let's put it this way, Brian. If there were there are games that you would say, hey, what are some – You know, if you give me four or five games from last year from Notre Dame that I should rewatch, would that be one of them? No, uh, and then he's got a follow-up question. He says, uh, will the Notre Dame offensive line give up any sacks in week one? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, don't give up a sack or two. Jermaine Johnson may get one, but that that's okay. I mean, I mean, if you give up one sack a game, you're going to be in the top five in sacks allowed at the end of the year. Unless you're the 2013 offensive line, which gave up like, what, eight the entire year? Remember that? With Zach Martin and Chris Watt, that was an exceptional – with Tom Marisa quarterback. So it's not like you had – you know, Brandon Wimbush or Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire avoiding sacks. I mean, that that was a, a tremendous pass blocking offensive line. No question about it. And uh, he says, uh, other than the defensive line, what position group are you most comfortable with? And I will, we'll say I'll uh, amend this question going into week one. I'm going I'm going running back. I feel very comfortable. I mean, uh, on the, on the, the entire team, position. I kind of thought he was talking defense. I, I'm comfortable. Oh, okay. I mean, entire team, I'm comfortable at quarterback. I'm comfortable at running back. I'm comfortable at tight end. I'd probably see on defense my next most comfortable position would probably be linebacker. Because I feel like we know who's going to play. It's just about are those guys going to step up and be and be better. And, and real quick, B. Bean, I am not related to Jeff Driscoll. He spells his name with one L. I spell mine with two. And it's a very small difference. Because usually people that have spelled their name differently than mine, it's D-R-I-S-C-O-L-L. So it's obvious that it's not the same. But obviously Jeff Driscoll is very similar. I, he's the only person I've ever known. Like I've never seen any that name spelled that way hmm. anywhere else. I've only ever seen it C-O-L-L. And the only time I've ever seen it spelled the way that my spell it is there's there's some Driscolls in Kentucky, which I'm somewhat kin to somewhere way you know back when they first came over. Uh, from Ireland and stuff. I think it was like the eight twenty, like early twentieth century, late nineteenth century, whatever. Uh, but that's about it. Usually, I see C O L L. No, we're not related. And uh, I would have disowned him the way he played for the Broncos last year, anyway. So. <laughs> uh, Will is jumping in. He says he's a Florida State fan. He says most of us are realistic going in and thinking that we take a loss. It's a good thing in my book if we keep it close. One thing is for certain, Doak will be packed to the brim. No question. And there'll and be, there'll be a great. good chunk of Notre Dame fans down there too. But it, it's there's just a lot of people looking forward to getting back to college football games. And, and that's going to be the big thing. And being able to tailgate. Even stadiums last year that opened up to some degree, uh, you couldn't you couldn't tailgate. But I think if you're a Florida State fan, I, if you're being realistic and honest, uh, 
you're playing a, a team that's been in the playoff two of the last three years. You're playing a team that's gone 33 and five the last three years. You're, you're playing a team that's pretty much Notre Dame played like crap against Florida State last year. They had just had a game canceled because of COVID. They had guys out that, I mean, and they still beat you by 16. You know, where Notre Dame is and where Florida State is, is, is pretty far away. If Florida State can be in this game at any point in time in the fourth quarter, that's got to be a, a building block, in my opinion. Winning or losing at a place like Florida State is never an acceptable thing, in my opinion. But I think you can look at it and say, okay, yes, we not we got to get better. But, man, we did some things in that game that if we can clean this up and we play a team that's not Notre Dame, we've got a shot to really take a step forward. And and the thing is you got to play well enough to start attracting the recruits that you used to get that's going to be the thing. But if this is a four-quarter game, I mean, you never like to lose if you're at Florida State, but you're going to walk out of that stadium with your uh, with your head held high. There's no question about it. Jimmy Siegel jumping in says, Irish 39, Florida State 17. And it looks like he's got a Miami hat there mm-hmm. in his logo, so that's very interesting there. It's a setup. It's trap. It's a Miami <laughs> fan jumping in. It's trapped. trap. It's Set a up. trap. Look out. Look out. Yeah. There's a uh, D Rock had a comment up here. Until I see an aggressive offense, I think the Irish will, will have a close first half game, thirteen to three. I agree with Brian and Vince. Stop the freaking conservative play calling. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. And then Brent Byers made a sack prediction. He goes, I'd have to think Adam Adamiola or Foskey will lead in sacks. And here's why I'm hesitant to say that, because a lot of times the guy that is the primary pass rusher doesn't come away with the sack. He's the guy that forces the quarterback to step into right. the pocket, and somebody else gets him. Right. And, and so that's why it, you know it's 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 not always the guy making the pressures that gets all the sacks. But if one of those two guys does lead the team in sacks, hopefully it's multiple sacks. That would certainly be encouraging. Certainly be encouraging. Christopher Sally says, "How much of the RPA RPO game do we see against Florida State, or is that something they roll out more gradually?" They need to do it. I mean, if you're going to do it eventually, you need to do it now. If it's I mean, if, if that's your offense, yeah. if that's your identity, then that's what you do. I mean, if they're not run, if I don't see at least. 15, 15, at least 15 RPOs in the game. And now sometimes, again, RPOs aren't throws. RPOs can be they ran an inside zone play. Right. It's an RPO because they had a guy running the pass route and the quarterback just Decided made the read and handed it off. Yeah. If I don't see at least 15 to 20 RPOs in this game, I'm going to be I'm gonna be a little fired up. How about this? Papa Shrimp says, I think this will be either a blowout or a three-point game. No in-between. You know, those are that's an interesting take. And, and and you know, I said this about about remember back in 2016, Vince, uh what, what I said about the Notre Dame team? I said Notre Dame will not go nine and three in 2016. I said they're either gonna be really good or they're gonna implode. Yeah. I said that on Bill King because it's one of those things where you, you just there were so many problems where it's like, yeah, th- this isn't gonna be there. And and I think you can take that in an individual game. I feel that about LSU this year. I don't think LSU's gonna go eight and four, nine and three. I think LSU's gonna be a ten win team. Or Ed Orgeron is going to be out of a job. <laughs> uh, you know, I just I, I could see that. But I think this game is, yeah, I think it's one of those things. And, and that goes back to, to Papa Shrimp. That goes back to the comment I made when we were doing the uh, on the, in the first show, when we were talking about the first part of the show, when we were talking about the, the prediction of the game. The last thing Notre Dame want, can do is to let Florida State think that they have a shot to win in the second half. Because if they do, those kids are going to battle. The crowd's going to be in it. To, to the earlier question, the crowd, crowd's going to be loud. The Florida State band's going to be playing. Those young kids are going to have confidence. Like, we can do this. We have a shot to upset Notre Dame, and they're going to make it a game. I, I, I think that's a good observation. But if Notre Dame puts them away, they'll bury them. 
Uh, so, so to your point, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's, yeah, I think that's a real good observation from a Florida State fan. It looks like so. I, I think it's a really good based on having Jameis Winston in his his uh, avatar there. But it's a very oh, yeah. good observation. Very good observation. I didn't even notice that. Well done, sir. Uh, let's see. Matt D coming out from left field here says uh, Tyron Williams has been named to the College Football Playoff Committee. Wasn't he on it before? Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he he was on it before. Uh, but apparently he's going to be. So taking- are are they going to basically do this? Well, whoever the four the tie takes, they're going to do the opposite because. <laughs> Just. I- <sighs> Ty Willingham, freaking guy. Tommy Gunn says team sacks over under seven and a half for this game. I'm got to take the under. I can't imagine they're yeah. going to have eight sacks plus. Uh, I mean, they're- their line's bad, but it ain't that bad, I don't think. Right, and and you know you you said it yourself. Look, uh, Coach Norvell is going to do things to get the ball out of his hands. He's not going to have Mackenzie Milton back on seven step drops, making <laughs> full downfield reads the whole game. I mean, it, you know, you know, look if they get minimum three four sacks, I'm happy. But it, it again, it's not about the sacks for me. It's the consistent. If they get two sacks, but they're hitting the quarterback and rushing the quarterback the entire game, and he's forced to throw quick all game. You're not going to get a lot of sacks, but that's that's a win. You're going to dominate them at that point. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think there's a lot of shell shock Notre Dame fans out there when it comes to Notre Dame offense. Nolan says, I hope my lowered expectations for the offense in this game are because that's how it's been the past few years. I'd love to see an offense that comes out firing on all cylinders for a change. I get it. Once you've been beaten over the head with something over and over, that's what you tend to expect. Sure. I get, I totally get it. Sure. I, I, there's part of me that that feels the same way until I see differently, and we've seen bits and pieces in the spring, which you know leads me to hopefully seeing a more explosive offense moving forward. So, and, and I thought we saw a little bit of that against Louisville in 2019. And the first two, I mean, they scored 66 against New Mexico, and you know against Louisville they averaged six and a half yards of play. They remember they had a couple turnovers in the red zone that, that kind of hurt them that game. They had some missed opportunities, but I thought they came out aggressive in that game. And they also lost Jafar Armstrong after the first series. Remember Notre Dame that first drive went right down the field on 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 uh, Louisville. But the problem in that game was they were calling plays down the field. Ian Book just wouldn't throw it. He he did not complete a single pass. I don't think he attempted a single pass that went beyond 20 yards. He had that one seam throw to Tommy Tremble that was close to it. But he just he wouldn't throw the ball. He wouldn't he wouldn't let it go. But the play calling was aggressive. It just the quarterback's got to make the plays, and that's going to mm-hmm. be the key in this game too. I I think Tommy will will call some shots. It's, is Jack Cohn going to make the throws, and the receiver's going to get open or not? Brian Young says Florida State shouldn't be a huge underdog in this game. The defense should be improved. This game will come down to the fourth quarter. I think they should be a huge underdog in this game. I mean, you could you can improve the defense by a whole touchdown, and they're still going to give up twenty nine points a game. And Notre Dame's a playoff team. And again, Notre Dame played terrible against Florida State last year. Was coming off a, a week where they had they had coming off a period where they had over half their team was quarantined for like ten days, right? Because of COVID, because of the COVID outbreak at Notre Dame, they were missing several players, and they still beat Florida State by sixteen. Yes, Florida State will be improved, and and I wholeheartedly believe that. But but I mean, if 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 this was a single digit spread i'd say put money on notre dame that's not a knock on florida state but the reality is is they're not there yet matt d says name a leading wide receiver in the opener not named michael mayer 
I made Davis or Keys. Yep, those are my two as well. Yeah. Right, no question. No question. I could see Avery Davis leading the team in receptions a couple times early in the year. I could. Mm-hmm. And, Matt, Matt, yeah. Matt D says, I, I hope the training staff has a solid hydration plan leading up to this game. I don't care if they have to give IVs the night before the game. Don't want a bunch of cramping players. Mm-hmm. I think they'll have that under control. Yeah. I, I trust the strength. Yeah. And that hasn't been an issue for them in the in the in recent years. And I, a couple comments from Brian Young: says FSU's O line should be leagues better than what they were last season. Take FSU spring game with a grain of salt. That wasn't the full lineup on the offensive front. I I, I don't care about the about the spring game from other than the fact that the spring game was exactly what they've been the last three years, right? So it's kind of like what I'm doing with the Notre Dame offense, right? I could come out and say, hey, look, don't take the spring game or don't do this, and they're going to come out, they're going to be throwing the ball down the field, and be doing all these – and I could say that. I could say whatever the heck I want, but I have no evidence of that, right? And could the O-line be better? Maybe, but you have no evidence of that because they were terrible last year. They were terrible in the spring game. The talent at the – it's not like they had a bunch of young guys that are really talented. They just need experience. They weren't talented. And so, I mean, and again, league's better still doesn't make them good. So, I mean, you know, that that's kind of that's kind of it. And then, uh, see, Brian Meadows says, I grew up in South Georgia, and my best friend is a Florida State fan. We've been talking smack to each other, each other since the 93 game. This year he had nothing to say about Notre Dame smacking FSU this year. I mean, the last couple times he probably shouldn't have a whole lot to say. Yeah, exactly. About that. But, uh, but they'll be back. I mean, that's just how it is. They'll be back, just like Notre Dame was down for a while. Florida State still has a long way to go to equal Notre Dame's you know, length of futility after the Lou Holtz airs. They'll, they'll be back. They'll be back. Fred Benson says, uh, IB is greater than uh, pro football folks. And I usually don't like to pat myself on the back, but in this case, he's not wrong. <laughs> but that's that that's kind of a low bar. And, and yeah. It stinks because there's a, there's a lot of things pro football focus does well. There's some guys at, at pro football focus who I like, Mike Renner, I think does really good work, but he's an NFL guy now. I, it's just they keep putting out these horrible takes and they continue to put like these, these like they, t- they don't take into account that like Kane Madden, for example, you know, the, Kane Madden did what he did at Marshall. You have to be able to project how that's going to be doing that against a power five schedule. And they don't do that at all. And remember, they did a similar thing a couple of years ago. Um, Michigan got a defensive end commitment from, from Central Michigan. And I'm trying to remember, I'm going to pull up his name. And they were hyping him up as he was going to be like one of the best defensive uh, ends in the entire country. And Michael Dana, that's who it was. He played at Central Michigan. And he had 15 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks at Central Michigan. And he transferred to to uh, Michigan, and they were like, th- he had these great pro football focus numbers, and he's going to be this great player and all that kind of stuff. You know what he did in his one year at Michigan in 13 games? He had three tackles for loss and three sacks, two quarterback hurries, right? Like, it's one thing to do that in the MAC. It's another thing to do that at Notre Dame. And, and that's kind of where I say that a lot of what they do is just kind of just not sound, in my opinion. Bacchus Thompson. Kyle Hamilton is a good safety, a very good safety. He has issues in coverage, very tight hips, and slow transition. If Florida State gets the ball to their playmakers in space, it's going to be a major issue. Is there? Are you talking about some kid that named Kyle Hamilton for Florida State? <laughs> I just want to see what you're. Or somebody else? Because 
That's not at all what I've ever seen from Kyle Hamilton. I, yeah, I, I, he does not have tight hips, and he is so fast when he decides what he's he going does to do. Not have issues in coverage. He's one Good of the luck. best cover safeties in the country. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love you, Backus, and you're and you you're you've been you know commenting on our channel for a <laughs> while, but you and I are watching two completely different games. I'm just curious if maybe there's another Kyle Hamilton that I'm not aware of because the Kyle Hamilton plays in Notre Dame is none of those things. None of those things. So, you want to grab, um, yeah, yeah. I want to grab, grab that super chat. Yep. Thanks, boss. Logan Hale, love the show. Go Irish, Logan. I appreciate it love very that. much. I think this is the first time I've seen Logan Hale. I don't yeah. think I've seen him comment before. So, uh, really appreciate the super chat, and really appreciate you uh, being part of the show. Very much. Let's see here. Edited, edited. We'll go with edited. Uh, who's the biggest opponent for uh, of t- 2021 for Notre Dame? I'm thinking USC might be the team. North Carolina could be that team if they take another step. I'm going to give you the really lame coach answer, and then I'm going to give you a real answer. Um, the, <laughs> the most, who's the biggest opponent is the next, the one, next Florida one. State. Now, in, in all seriousness, to me, I, I think it's the Wisconsin game for me because that's the first big game they play. I think mm-hmm. in, until we get past that game, I, I can't worry too much about Cincinnati and North Carolina and in sure. USC. But I, I think, I think that group of four. That I just mentioned is is really you can kind of all bunch them in together, and you talk about who the biggest opponent is. It just depends on what you're trying to learn about the team. I don't think there's like one like Georgia 2019 or Georgia 2017 or or Michigan 2018 was clearly the biggest game or or that you know last year Clemson was. I don't think there is that game for Notre Dame this year where there's just that one team that's head and shoulders, you know, just that big game. I, so to me, I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a lazy answer, and it's. It's lazy, but it's also it's what I believe, which is the first big game is the one that that I'm focused most on because how that game goes is going to determine, in my opinion, a, a lot of than how the rest of them go. And and a perfect example is, you know, you look at that 2012 team; they were not a pretty team early in the year. They had some really ugly wins early in that season because they were still kind of finding their way. They still weren't a team that really had learned how to win yet. They kind of they kind of got a little lucky against you know Purdue. Uh, Michigan State wasn't very good, and then they played Michigan and, and Michigan. Tr- they tried to give Michigan that game, but Michigan was like, "No, we don't want it." Hot, throw the hot potato back. It, it wasn't really until that Miami and and really the Stanford game. That Miami game was that game where when they did that, it gave them a greater deal of confidence. And then when they beat Stanford that next week, that game, once Notre Dame beat Stanford, I said to my a buddy of mine, they're not going to lose another game this year. Because remember, at the time, that was the dragon that they had never been able to slay. None of the players on that team had played in a game where they had ever beaten Stanford. Last time they beat Stanford was like 2008. So 9, 10, 11. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, 2008. No, I'm sorry. 2006 or 7, I think, was the last time they beat Stanford. I'll have to go back and look. But – you know, they had what I do know is that those guys had never played in, in a, you know, in a game where they'd beaten Stanford and Stanford had kind of embarrassed them a few times. You know, they they smacked them around really good in 2010 at home. They smacked them around pretty good in 2000, in 2011. And there just wasn't a great deal of confidence at Notre Dame. Yeah, 2008 was the last time they'd beaten them. And so you just look at it and you say, once they won that game, it was that that was the i mean that was the big game there isn't that kind of game on this schedule in my opinion uh north carolina isn't that program usc is a program notre dame is pretty much controlled in recent years cincinnati 
I'm sorry, is it's it's an AAC program. It, it can't be that game. And Wisconsin's a good team, but they're not a great team. So there isn't that one game. It's a collection of of each of those, which is why I'm going with Wisconsin first because that's the first one on deck. And I think that's the game where we're going to learn the most about the offensive line. If they can hold their own against Wisconsin or even win that battle, that's going to be a great sign for what this offensive line can be the rest of the year. If they struggle that game, it's going to make me a little bit nervous because you know Wisconsin is a tough, well-coached group of guys. Joe Medina has an interesting He's How's the speed of the Knowles receivers, and how will our DBs fare? I know that it depends on the pressure from the front seven. Well, I think some of the guys that I'm more worried about this year are some of the bigger guys, you know, Mike McLean and, and some of those guys. I, I, are, are, their speed is good. I mean, they're good enough to give you problems, right? I'll say mm-hmm. that. If, if you're not on your P's and Q's, if your technique isn't sound, if you're not – you know, sharp, if your transitions aren't correct, if you're if you're late reacting to certain things, they're good enough to beat you. But they're not, I mean, this isn't Justin Ross. This isn't Jalen Waddle. This isn't Devontae Smith. This isn't that kind of speed. It's good speed. It's good enough to beat you if you're not on on point. But I I think the the more concerning matchups for me are some of the, the bigger guys going against a, a Bracey or a Clarence Lewis. Fred Benson says Notre Dame plays Wisconsin 925 in Chicago and the game's on Fox, but the Irish Badgers game in Green Bay last year on NBC was canceled due to COVID. Why Fox instead of NBC? Because it's it's uh, Wisconsin's home game. And because it's Wisconsin's home game, they have a deal with – the Big Ten has a deal with right. Fox, and so the right. game's on Fox. I mean, that, that's, Which is why I'm shocked it's considered a shamrock game. Yeah, I agree. And why I'm also shocked that Wisconsin's wearing all white. So they're basically going to look like the visiting team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little strange. Very, very little strange. Tim Gaines asks, which is better, Florida State's receivers or Notre Dame's secondary? Well, the presence of Kyle Hamilton alone <laughs> makes gives you – and this isn't a – I mean, just Florida State's got some good players, but they don't have anyone that's a star. Notre Dame has some good players that are question marks, just like Florida State has some good receivers, but they're question marks. There's nobody proven in the receiving core at Florida State, but there's some talent there, as we talked about. I mean, especially in the freshman class. I really like that freshman class of receivers. That's the kind of class that they need to restock that depth chart and get them back on track down the road. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame has similar question marks, but their question marks are more sophomores and juniors. And in and, and Houston Griffith's case, a senior. But the presence of Kyle Hamilton certainly gives Notre Dame the advantage there. Uh, he is not only the best safety in the country, he's one of the best overall football players in the country. Brett Gallagher says, how much do you think Florida State's head coach missing last year's game affected the outcome? I don't think it affected the outcome. I do think it affected Florida State to a degree. I mean, I, would Notre Dame still have won the game? Yes. So I don't think it affects the outcome. But I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there. It's just hard to quantify. I mean, you could say not having their head coach was problematic, but then you could say, hey, maybe he wasn't there, and they rallied around the assistant that took over because you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you talk about you know when your when your backs are against the wall, you you kind of kind of come out swinging. Maybe they were a little bit more. I mean, who? It's just so hard to quantify that. But I mean, look, I think Mike Norvell is a good football coach, and I. Anytime he's not around, I think it's going to affect you. No yeah, question. Did, would it have changed the score or not? I don't know. Yeah, but it certainly point. affected him. Peter Hansen, uh, potentially a Wisconsin fan, judging by the icon. I'm not quite sure, he's but it's looking how, for intel. Yeah, how has practice been this summer? Go Irish! It's good. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, I've I mean, heard good things. I'll have a. I'm hoping to. <clears throat> when my message board gets launched, I've reached out to some people, got some intel, and gonna have a couple. That's what we're gonna kind of break in the message board, nice. the premium message board, with some of that kind of intel. But uh, it's like, you know, we're talking a lot this summer about. I'll say this. I'm give too much away, but I'll say this. We're we're always talking about the concern. Back up. Back up. <laughs> we're always talking about the concerns and, you know, the, the offensive line and are they going to do this? And I'm not sure about this. And there's a lot of people saying, oh, they're 10th or 11th or 12th one team. And a lot of times when I talk to people in their name, like, no, we really like this team and those kind of things. But there's like a little bit of an edge to this team uh, from people I've talked to. I've actually had people tell me that like this, they think this might be one of the best teams they've had, which kind of surprised me because you don't usually hear that kind of optimism at this point in time of the year. Yeah. But I think they're kind of, to, to pardon my language, I think they're kind of pissed off. I think they're kind of pissed off how the season ended because they knew they were better than that. I think they're kind of pissed off that people aren't like, why aren't we a top five team? Why are you all thinking we're going to take a big step back? Have you not paid attention to what we've done the last three years? I think they're kind of pissed. And I like that. I like a pissed off Brian Kelly, yep. especially when it's not yep. a me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the best part, you know? <laughs> and, and so, um, I think this team has a chip on their shoulder, which you, is kind of weird when you think about the fact they've been a playoff team two last three years. But I think when they see preseason predictions, they're like 12th and 15th, and ESPN's you know FPI's got them going seven and five. I just think that adds fuel to the fire, and I think they like I think they like being a little bit overlooked, and I, and I think that's how it is. So, but I'll have some more on. But that's one thing I have noticed is is there's a confidence about this team that I was not expecting to be there this early. And it's not a fake confidence. It's like a yeah. it's it's you can just tell yeah. Vince when you're talking to somebody like somebody's sure. telling you what you want to hear. I mean, look, I've been doing this a long time. I was in recruiting. I had to you you can tell when someone's telling you what you want to hear. And I've kind of called BS on some time some things I've been talking. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh I buy it because it's just it's a it's a it's a it's yeah, it's 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 been interesting to see. It's kind of hard to explain because it's it's a, it caught me off guard. On I thought there'd be like a lot of because what coach coach has done in the past is he's kind of temp, he's like to temper expectations. Yeah, he really has. I agree. And and that's not what I'm hearing coming out of the program right now. It's it's not like a well look we we miss four starters and we don't have Ian now. It's it's kind of like hey, you know, we're we're gonna go back at it and try to do it again this next year. Tim Gaines jumping in says, "Do you think Florida State will be better than last year's team?" Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Florida State's going to be a bowl team. I'll be surprised if they're not a bowl team. I think the question is, Tim, is can they pull off a couple of upsets? I think there's like, to me, when I look at their schedule, there's like three upsets, that, that not three upsets, but there's like three games that to me are going to be key to them being a plus six win team. I think they have to beat Wake Forest in week three on the road. And, and that's, I mean, Wake Forest has given Florida State some tough games in recent years. They beat them last year or 2019, and then they had two close games the two previous years. Even when Florida State's had some good teams, Wake Forest would battle them. And then I think between at North Carolina, at BC, at Florida, and home against Miami, that's a tough sled. I mean, I'm counting Clemson and Notre Dame as a loss. you got to go 2-2 two and two in those games. If you go 2-2 two and two in those games, which is not going to be easy, you're looking at a potentially an eight-win eight team. And so that, to me, for what Florida State has is coming back from, an eight and four season would be a big step in the right direction. And I think would be, especially if they can be competitive in their losses. That's the other thing. It's not just about eight and four, but if you're eight and four and you get beat by four touchdowns in their name and Clemson slaughters you and Florida blows you out and 
you know, and, and Clemson destroys you, then that's going to take away a lot of the optimism from the four wins. You've got to have some of those games have to be at least be competitive, where even if you lose convincingly, it's like a 17-point loss, not a 37-point loss. I think that's going to be key. Like, what, what was it a couple of years ago that when Florida State played Clemson? Didn't Clemson hang like a 70 spot on them? Yeah, something It was like really that. Yeah. bad. I mean, it yeah. was it was like, <clears throat> oh, my God. It's like Dabo's kind of like we're trying to make sure they don't ever they don't ever wake up again. I mean, <laughs> it was really bad. I think it was 2018. Is is I'm looking at it now. Yeah, 59 to 10. Okay, maybe they, oh Louisville's the one that hung the 70 spot on them. But uh, yeah, went with Lamar Jackson like 63 on them. But yeah, Clemson beat them 59 to 10, and it, it could have been way worse than oh, that. Of course, it could have been. Uh, Peter Hansen jumping back in says, "What is your game plan for Mackenzie Milton? Uh, Keep him I, in the pocket. Yep, yep, and pressure him, pressure yeah. him, hit him. You know, make him uncomfortable. Keep him in the pocket. I mean, I'd rather you get hands up when he's trying to throw than try to over pursue and he steps into the pocket because he's, like he's, he's like five eleven. He's like five eleven. He's five eleven. That's what I was just gonna say they, yeah. with with Foskey and you know yeah. MTA, all those guys getting yeah. up in his face. You I mean, attack him, but you got to stick in your rush lanes. You got to be gap. You got to be gap sound. I mean, again, you can be aggressive and still be gap sound. You can't can't over pursue because then he's gonna step in the pocket and either buy time to throw it or step up and move the chains. You you got to keep him in the pocket. Rob Titoff says a slow start or numerous turnovers that lead to Florida State points is my biggest concern with this game. What are your yeah. thoughts? Of uh, course. I think you nailed it, Rob. I mean, honest, that's the thing is at the very beginning of the show, I mentioned uh, when we did the, the actual Florida State preview, I mentioned, hey, look, I'm concerned about Notre Dame. If they're going to lose, they're going to give the game away. And well, how do you Correct. do that? You turn Turnovers. it all over thrown 15. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a chance to get points and, you, and you, you, you miss out on those opportunities. I mean, those are the ways that you lose games like this. And that's what they have to avoid. No question about it. Dan Squats checking in. I'm at work. I'll have to watch the playback later. Appreciate our, our, you. Our all. lone Florida State fan can't even watch the show live, Dan. <laughs> Come on, man. Be better than that, right? What's what do we say here at, at Irish Breakdown? We uh, we like to 76. use the old uh, the old Vince Vaughn, who also played was a starred in Rudy. Rule number seventy six, man. No excuses. Play like a champion. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> Uh, Nolan, it says, uh, one improvement I can see is that whoever our quarterback is this year, that they will have a much better pocket presence than we are used to book. Never see, never looked comfortable in the pocket to me. No disagreements there. Yep. Uh, and Mike, Vincent, Brian, do you feel that this team will Mike have a top- D I think it's what Uh-oh. that is. Is it? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that this team will have a top 10 defense at the end of the year? If so, what have you seen on film heard from the staff? Or just feel like certain players or position groups will finally break out? Do I feel like this team will be a top 10 at the end of the year? I think it has a chance to. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is is because I think they're strong in all the places you need to be strong, in my opinion. You know, you have to have, you have to be dominant up front. And I think they have a chance to be dominant. I am optimistic about this D line. The people I talk to are optimistic about this D line. I think the talent is there. I think there's a lot of high level talent. This isn't just a bunch of, really good kids who are veterans who you, you are going to be scrappy and, and gritty. Like there's one Kurt Heinish, there's not four, right? The guys around Kurt Heinish are very talented future NFL players. And, and, and I, and I look at that and I'm excited by it. I think they have a star on the second, third level. You know, you obviously you look at Kyle Hamilton. I think they're athletic. And this is an athletic defense. Uh, I, and I also don't think they play a lot of great offenses. I think that helps too. I mean, outside of USC, North Carolina, 
I, I don't see a lot of teams that, that are really high, you know, high octane, dynamic, explosive offenses. You know, I mean, Stanford's not that. Cincinnati's not that. I mean, Cincinnati a pretty good offense for a for a team that that plays in in that level. But if you look at them last year, the two really good defenses they played last year were Tulsa and Georgia, and they scored twenty seven and twenty one points in those two games. So I mean, they're not a they're not a huge high octane offense, and so I think that should help too. And it always has to like I like offensively. I think the off the reason I think they should be forty plus points per game this year is because if you look at the defenses they play, I think over half the teams they play this year gave up over thirty points a game last year. So you know that that that's part of it too. Is not not all. This is why I sort of say context matters. Like part of what made the the LSU success in twenty nineteen so incredible is who they did it against. I mean, they weren't out there like just hanging like ninety on Southwest Louisiana State. You know, and, and then well, I guess they probably shouldn't do that because they had Bobby Boucher. But uh, you know, I mean, they they weren't out there just doing that against yeah against bad teams. I mean, you look at that team; they played, they hung forty five on a top twenty five Texas team, they hung forty two on a top ten Florida team, they hung forty six on a, on Alabama, they hung uh, thirty seven on a really good Georgia team, they hung sixty three on Oklahoma, and they hung forty two on Clemson. I mean, they were out there scoring on ever hung fifty on Texas A and M and Mike Elko. You know, I mean, they they were out there scoring on everybody against a really tough schedule. And and so context matters. So you could score 43, 44 points a game this year. It's kind of like in, in 2019 when Notre Dame scored 36 points a game. And, and I've always said that was a that was a very misleading statistic, in my opinion, because when you look at Notre Dame that year, they hung 66 on uh, New Mexico and you hung 52 on Bowling Green. You know, I mean, excuse the numbers a little bit, big time, big time. And, you know, and then you look at what they did against some of the better teams in the schedule and, you know, they finished strong, but you know, that was a misleading number in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Brent Byers jumping into the best team on Notre Dame's schedule conversation. He says, USC is by far the most talented team we play. If they play to their ability, which is unlikely because Helton is inadequate, they would give us all that we can handle. The USC offense versus the Notre Dame defense is juicy. Uh, you could argue they're the most talented team that Notre Dame plays. I definitely would not say it's by far. I don't think USC is as good as they've been in the past. I, I also, I mean, look, they lost some really good football players off their team last year, and they're not a team, in my opinion, that's recruited well enough to just reload. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's problematic. Now, getting Jake Smith, they just transferred there from Texas, that should help. Uh, they got Keontae Ingram from Texas as well. It should help, but you know it's a running back. They don't really use running backs at uh, USC. But I mean, they're talented, but they're not. I mean, their their lines aren't as good as they've been. I mean, Drake Jackson's really good, but other than that, they don't have a lot of great D linemen. Um, you look at their offensive line; it's it wasn't that good last year, and they lost Elijah Vera Tucker. They're not as talented as people think. Now they'll they'll score and they'll put up points because of the offense, but I don't think it's it's by far. I mean, I, I think North Carolina has some talent that they can match with. I mean. Cincinnati has probably the two best players their name is going to face all year in Ahmad Gardner and MyJ Sanders. I mean, you look at NFL drafts, and I mean, that's they're they're consistent first round picks. Now, I don't think Cincinnati has the top top to bottom talent, but no, I don't I don't think it's by far. I mean, you could make a case, and I don't even know if I would say for sure who that would be. I I wouldn't argue necessarily that USC has the best roster they play, most talent they play, but it's not by far, in my opinion. 
We've got a super chat down here. Eventually, we pull that up. Yeah, please. Patrick Barnes, thanks for another great podcast. I'm nervous for the Florida State game. Last time we went to Florida State and played a game with hyped up crowd, Miami destroyed us. That was a top 10 Miami team. That was a Miami team that yeah. won 10 games uh, and, and was undefeated and ranked, I think, what, eighth at the time? Eighth in the country yeah, at the time? Yeah, it was a big win. It was a top 10 game, wasn't yeah, it? It was. It was like, I think it was like three versus eight or three versus yeah. five, something like that. And this is not that team. Yeah. That, that is not that team at all. Louie has a question about Notre Dame's offensive line. It says, with the two offensive line freshmen that have the potential to start this year, are you more worried about their pass protection or ability to execute in the running game? Run game for me. And 10 years ago, Louie, I would have given you a completely different answer. But I think pass pro is such nowadays with not as many seven-step drops and you know deeper pockets and things like that and quick game and screens are now more prominent. I think pass pro is a little bit easier to teach than it used to be. I think run game is a little bit more because teams do so much more movement now, twists, stunts, things like that, different fronts, junk fronts, things like so, all that kind of stuff. I think teaching run game to a freshman is a little bit more complex with what Notre Dame does. I think if it was Wisconsin, it, it, you know, I mean, not Wisconsin. It, some other you know, Wisconsin might be a little different story because Wisconsin's board of a pro style offense. They're going to do more play action, do more deep drops, so their court, their offensive linemen are, are putting a little bit more pressure situations in a pass pro standpoint. Than, than what Notre Dame is going to do. So I, I'd say I'm a little bit more – plus, pass pro to a certain degree is there's communication involved, but you just kind of got to win a one-on-one battle. Where run game, it's like it's a lot more of a – it needs a little bit more cohesiveness, especially left tackle. You know I mean? Again, doesn't mean you don't have – you have to pick up line stunts and break sure. – there was one particular play in the spring game that, that impressed me about Blake Fisher is they tried to hit him with a stunt. They did a linebacker inside. You know, the DN slanted inside, and Blake stepped in to block him, and a, and a guy looped outside, and Blake came right off and got him. I mean, that was a really heady play. But in the run game, if you're late to recovering to that, or in the pass game, if you're late to recover to that, you can still move him and get him out of the way, and the quarterback can step up. Correct. If, if you've you got a quarterback to, that can do that. Right. Yeah. If you miss, <laughs> if you're late to get to a guy in the run game, it blows your play up. And that's why that's another reason why I say it's a little bit harder. Uh, Dan Squatch jumping in. See, he didn't. He's he okay. Yeah, he he's got a couple. He hasn't left us yet, so I appreciate yeah. that. He says oh Notre God. Dame, North Carolina, Miami, Clemson, and Florida are all games we're supposed to lose, and everyone is expecting us at least one game that we're not supposed to go. North. Right, which is, I mean, based on what they've done in recent years, that makes sense, you yeah. know. But but for Florida State to take that leap, they got to limit the games they're not supposed to lose, and they have to win one of those games, you know. And look, they're. Notre Dame is going to be tough. Clemson's going to be tough. Florida's going to be tough because they're the, the last two are road games. But between USC at home and Miami – or USC on the road, UNC on the road and Miami at home, you got to try to pull off one of those upsets. They did it last year. I mean, they were at home, but they beat they beat North Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. At, you know, And that was a big win for them. Yeah, it, was. So, it was huge. You know, I, I think they have to pull off one of those upsets. You know, And, and I think they're capable of it. Again, they, they don't have to go three and two in those five games. They just have to go – even if they just get one, they've got a shot to be an eight and fourteen. Sure. Thomas Walsh says, I want Kelly pissed off. Agree. Media BS pressured him to mellow out on the sidelines. Excuse me, let him go all Bobby Knight on occasion without the judgment. Gets the kids fired up. No, it really doesn't get the kids fired up. It does. <laughs> not anymore. Not no. it, it's not. Well, and I've never know. been a big fan. The the way that he would conduct himself in the sidelines was a little bit too much for me. I don't mind a coach being fired. I don't mind a coach getting in the guy's face. Go watch Nick Saban in the game. He'll get on you. Sure. Brian Kelly at times went a little over the top, in my opinion. And and more so when it comes to quarterbacks. 
I'm from the Bill Walsh school that you do not yell at your quarterback in front of the rest of the team because you need to instill in your team that you have nothing but confidence, confidence in the yeah. quarterback. Yeah. And I know it's a double standard, but quarterbacks are held to a different standard. And, and so, but but I do I do like a fiery Kelly. I do. I sure. just think there's a happy medium between what he yes. what he was the, and the what he is. Red purple face to right, yeah, yeah, right. Because I agree with you. and I think that wasn't the Brian Kelly saw at Cincinnati either. I, the guy at Cincinnati didn't have the 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 bouts where he just lost it mm-hmm. but he was very intense on the sidelines i mean you watch him and tony pike you know going at each other on the sidelines which i think brian kelly likes that i think he likes a quarterback that's gonna that's why he likes tommy reese right because tommy reese would give it to him yeah tommy reese like hey man get out of my face you know right. what i mean like right <laughs> i know what i did and so he respects yeah. that he likes that back and yeah. forth you know yeah it just is no what question. it is i don't necessarily like it i don't think yeah. that's healthy for your football team right. to your quarterback and your head coach battling but you know but it is what it is. Worked for him at Cincinnati. Yeah. Tommy Lawson, any thoughts to of possibly losing Marcus Freeman uh, to be the head coach at LSU next year? I mean, I, I guess it could potentially happen. I don't see it happening. I, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily an attractive job. Uh, it's not as attractive as I think people think it is, which is why LSU had to settle for Ed, Ed Orgeron because they lost to Tom Herman and. You know, could he could he take that job? Sure. If I'm Marcus Freeman, though, I'd say, why would I take the LSU job, which is a dumpster fire with a lot of problems? I mean, again, when I talk when I talk train wreck at LSU, I'm not even talking about the football program. There's so much stuff going on away from the football program. Well, it's about the football program, but it's off the field that I don't know if I'd want to touch that. And especially if you do play your cards right, you can maybe be the head coach at Notre Dame in the near future. Exactly. And for a guy that's from Ohio. I think that would make a and, – and whose wife is from Ohio. Hey, look, yeah. his wife is born and raised in Ohio. Going down to Cajun country is a whole different universe that you're putting your wife and six kids into. Right. Okay? Right. Maybe you just right. might want to hang out in South Bend for a couple more years and wait for Brian Kelly to retire. I mean, in Notre, <laughs> look, it's still the Midwest up here, right? Mm-hmm. Ohio, Indiana, it's not a whole lot different. Right. But, yeah, way different than yeah, Dayton, Ohio, and South Bend, <clears throat> Indiana aren't exactly like – that much different you know right, Dade's a right. little bigger but it's not that much different it's the same kind of deal yeah exactly uh, baton rouge is a different universe i mean <laughs> they have their own language have you heard that orgeron talk everybody in louisiana <laughs> understands that dude right they all understand them go tigers go tigers go tigers john a1 had a super chat appreciate that very much Thanks, buddy. John. very very much do you expect to see two quarterbacks in the game if so if so what's the scenario well there's two scenarios for me expect and see are two yeah different i'm things. hoping we see three quarterbacks in the opener and here's here and, and i'm going to answer his question so what i mean by that is i hope that we see two quarterbacks in the first half we see jack Cohn, and then we do see a couple of tyler buckner packages i hope we see that and then in the fourth quarter if notre dame is blowing them out i'd like to see drew pine get work I've said this before, you know, let get Drew get some work as the backup early if Tyler has that rotational role, unless Tyler just is flat out the number two quarterback. Because there's a scenario which Tyler has a role, but he's still not the backup quarterback. Right. Because he's really good in that role. But if it's going to come down to running the entire offense, we're still, you know, we still may want to go with Drew. And I feel like that's the ideal scenario, at least in my mind. At least early, early in the year. Maybe Tyler's comfortable enough by the end of the year, he's ready to take over. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think. I think that uh, that's what I'd like to see. Now, of course, if they don't have a package for Tyler Buckner, I'd still like to see two quarterbacks in the game because that means Notre Dame blew Florida State out and a backup quarterback gets in the game at the end of the game. 
Dan Squatch, he says, well, I'm still around. How many first and second year guys are you counting on for contributions out of the 22? So I'm assuming out of the starters. Right. Offense and defense. So offensively, they're looking at probably three, right? The two offensive linemen, potentially. So that'd be Blake Fisher and potentially Rocco. And then the tight end, you've got Michael Mayer. Uh, well, isn't Chris Tyree? Well, he's, he's well, not first first team, okay. right? So he okay. went first first team of for okay. the the twenty two, um, and then on defense, can't Clarence Lewis? Yeah, he'd be a sophomore, and that is it, right? None of the linebackers. Now again, now could a young guy beat somebody out? Sure, but I mean, just based on who we anticipate to be the starters, Foskey's a junior. Everybody else is a senior on the starting defensive line. Linebacker, everybody's a, a senior except for uh, Jack Kaiser, who's a junior. Clarence Luce is a sophomore. Houston's a senior. Kyle's a junior. And Cam Hart's a junior. So not a lot. This is a pretty veteran Notre Dame team from a years-in-the-system standpoint where their inexperience is, is they're, they're not a lot of starting experience, which is, again, why I don't necessarily buy that Notre Dame's going to be inexperienced because there's – there's inexperience, meaning you're a freshman or sophomore, and then there's inexperience, meaning you've never started before, but you're a junior or senior. That's a different kind of a, right. a quote unquote right. lack of experience, and that's why you know they're not throwing a lot of freshmen and sophomores into the starting lineup or right. all, all around the place. And the only and the freshman that is starting at left tackle, they didn't anticipate him being a starter. They were they were thinking Tosh Baker, who was a top hundred recruit, was going to win that job as a redshirt freshman, and Blake beat him out in like a week. Dan Squatch, he says, also, what's your scouting report on Jamie Robinson, the South Carolina transfer, the kid at safety, and Parchment, the Kansas transfer? I don't really have much of a scouting report on Jamie. I've watched very little of him. Uh, He was productive, and he played in the SEC. But as far as, like, breaking down his game, where I could say he's good at this, not good at that, I think he was more, in my opinion, of of a run defender than he was a pass defender at South Carolina. At least that's how I felt they used him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's all he can do. That could just be that that's how they used him. Uh, but uh, I didn't really notice him much in the spring game. But I thought it. I thought at South Carolina, I thought he was a good football player. I mean, he was second on their team in tackles last year, and you know, two tackles for loss, and at four. When you have a safety with forty-seven solos, he's coming downhill a lot, right? You know, uh, and when you look at his pass game numbers, he had one pick and he had four pass breakups. That's good production, but not elite production. He was used mostly as a guy that's coming down in the alley playing the run, which Florida State needs. You know, now is that how they're going to use him at Florida State? I don't know because again, yeah. <clears throat> if you watch how Jack Cohn was used at Wisconsin and you think, well, that's all he can do, then you're going to have a misinterpretation of what Jack Cohn can do, and and that's the 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 the, the point that I would make. I don't know a whole lot about the transfer kid kid from uh, Kansas. I do like the running back they got from Auburn. I you know DJ Williams and Brent, uh, Brent Byers mentioned him earlier. He's pretty good back, you know, especially as a rotation guy. He's pretty good back. I mean, they got a lot of transfers, and honestly, they needed it. I mean, they yeah. really did. Yeah. You know me, I'm usually anti-transfer, but when you're where they are in year two and you've had to just – And what they had to purge the had entire to clean house. Of team. Yeah, you got to be careful you're bringing in the right kind of transfer. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I, they they needed it, in my opinion. All right, Brian, unless you see something else. Yeah, that you got Devontae1178 jumped in. Yeah, hey, what's up, y'all? Ready for football season? I agree. Uh, Brent Byers thinks Desmond Ritter's overrated. Brent, you are not the only person that I have seen uh, – with that stance. And that's going to be interesting. I, I'm personally someone who believes that um, I think he's a guy that's going to take another step this year. I think he's got big skills, but yeah, he, he not always processing things quickly. I, you know, I, I, there's some things that I understand looking at the NFL that, that, that could cause some people some concerns, but 
I still think he's a good quarterback. And the thing I liked about him in the Georgia game is, you know, I didn't think I thought he missed some big opportunities in the Georgia game to make some plays. Uh, but he but he also took some shots too. But I think he's a little overrated from the standpoint of people talking about him being a first round pick. Uh, I don't see that. But uh, I mean, other than that, I, I think he's a good college player. And I had to follow up on on Backus because I good God love him. He's he's sticks he's, he's doubling down. Right now, Kyle Hamilton puts me in the mind of Taylor Mays. Excellent in the run game, fast and sure tackler, great range, but struggles in coverage. That's just not what the film shows. I mean, I, I, I'm in every game. I have all 22. I'm telling you, I don't know any draft analyst. I don't know any NFL scout. I don't know any opposing coach that thinks Kyle Hamilton struggles in coverage. It's not what we've seen in practice. It's not what we've seen in games. Uh, I just I, – I don't know what you're seeing. Backus, I'd love to maybe hit me up on Twitter or something like that. We can have this back and forth a little bit more, but – Show me, give me examples. Like, hey, man, this is why you know. Like, I'm I'm open to having my mind changed. It's just you're gonna have to give me something. Like, you're gonna have to show me something because I've never seen it. I've seen a kid that's. I mean, there's there's nothing Kyle Hamilton isn't really good at, in my opinion. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I just I'm gonna have to, to to disagree with you a little bit on that one. Matt D says, uh, subscribe, share, hit the like button. Uh, definitely subscribe, hit the like button. Those two things, definitely. And we appreciate y'all, uh, very much. Um, here's a good question to end off with Vince. Uh, yeah. If Liam Burke got in late, if, if Florida state was going to beat Notre Dame, how do you see them doing it? Vince, I'll let you kind of start off with that. For me, and, and we've said it a little bit in the past, Notre Dame's going to have to beat themselves. It's going to have to be turnovers, uh, whether they're, you know, Notre Dame forced or, or Florida State forced. Notre Dame's going to have to turn the ball over and give Florida State excellent field position. Yes, short field on the board. Yep. You know, those turnovers are going to have to lead to points. If those turnovers don't lead to points, then it's not going to hurt anything. Mm-hmm. But it it's going to have to be turn points off turnovers, um, and it, it's going to have to be a you know a situation where you know Notre Dame maybe is about to score, but then Florida State turns them over, and then they go down and score. So it's like a score for a score right. situation, like that kind of thing. Like South Florida. You yeah. know, some, something horrific right. like that, you know, right. where you're about to score and you fumble it. And they and then they take it back to the house. Back. Like yeah. we saw with BC and Clemson last year. Remember, Clemson's yeah. about to go in and yes. score. And, you know, that just that kind of thing can change them. And if yeah. it's like a, you know, let's say Notre Dame's down by three, you know, it's and it's 10 to seven, they're down by three. And, you know, but they look like they're getting ready to take control of the game. And so I'm like, here's a perfect example. So when you look at 2017, Notre Dame's playing Michigan State. It's 21-7. Michigan State's about to score. They're like literally this far away from the end zone. They score there. It's 21-14. It may be a different ball game. Sean Crawford strips the guy, and Notre Dame recovers. Devastating turnover. Now, obviously, I don't see Notre Dame being down 21-7, but let's say they're down 10-7. Something like that happens. Florida State goes down and scores. Next thing you know, it's 17-7. That crowd is going to be nuts. Absolutely nuts at that point in time. That's not where you want to be. Those young kids are going to be feeling really yeah. good about themselves. No doubt. So so to me, it, it can't, Liam, and, and to Vince's, I think this is what, what Vince is saying too, it can't just be like one bad turnover that results in a touchdown. It's got to be like multiple big mistakes. Correct. You have to, you're going to have to have a couple blown coverages that result in long plays. I think those are the things that have to happen consistently because, again, if I think Notre Dame is a 17-to-point 17 to 20 point better team minimum one touchdown doesn't do it one touchdown yeah exactly even yeah. a two uh, even a two uh like the like you said Vince you, you lose points and they gain points that's a 14 point swing that's still right Notre Dame's still a better team it has to be multiple yes uh things like that and and I just I just don't see that happening in my opinion 
but that is the pathway to, to that happening. I mean, I, I don't think it's a thing. Well, gee, Florida State's better than we thought. No, I mean, I, I think Florida State's going to be a decent team. I'm the one out here saying I could see him win seven, eight games, right? It, it, Notre Dame's going to have to give that one away. With where Notre Dame is as a program right now, the only way they lose that game is if they revert back to their old ways of just choking those games away. Well, but, and, and when you're in a place like like Dope Campbell Stadium, you don't want to keep that crowd involved either. Right. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. when you're on the road for the first time. You've got. And I, I actually think they're going to feed off that. I hope I do. So. I think I the Notre Dame so. team is going to feed off that. I really, yeah. I, I think that can be a very – like a lot of people see it like as a concerning. I think starting a game off on the road in that environment can be a very galvanizing event for sure. a football team. You know, we're normally kind of going the opener, and it's like it's comfortable. We've been in fall camp. We've been in this. We've been in that. Uh, that then I then I think that that's a situation where I can. I'm actually a little bit more nervous about that kind of game than I am about being on the road because I think going on the road, it's like you're traveling together, you're in a hotel together, you're on a schedule. Sure. Yes. There's no distractions. It's like it's a hostile territory. I'm with you. We're gonna yeah. come out. They're gonna be booing us. And if you're a good team and you've got the leadership that I think Notre Dame is gonna have. Man, you're gonna be, you're gonna, you're like, bring it, you know, like keep, keep, keep booing, keep doing, you know. Yeah. And I just think that's when, that's when I think you can really start your season off. It's like when 2012, you know, Notre Dame started the season off at Navy. I think going overseas and kind of having that as a team experience. I don't think that it's. I, I think that was a good thing for them. You know, mm-hmm. that team needed that. This team, because they did lose so many leaders, I think needs that kind of galvanizing, um, sort of hostile environment. You know, not a you know, you're out of your comfort zone. I think they need that, and I think it's going to be good for them. So I'm I'm actually one of the few people that likes the fact that they're going on the road against a big name opponent in what's going to be a loud stadium on you know only game in town. You're going to learn a lot about this Notre Dame football team in week one, and I think it's going to be good for them. And then you get to come back home for a couple weeks against teams you're supposed to beat. And you can get into your routine, but I I think that's going to be a good thing for them. I, I know I'm I'm in the I'm in the Probably the minority there, but uh, <laughs> but I do. But before we go to Bacchus, uh, my email address is brian at, at irishbreakdown.com. Try to make it as easy as possible. Shoot me an email. We can kind of have this back and forth. Uh, I love brian talking ball. And, and that's brian what back. I mean, Bacchus comes on the, the, the channel at Irish Break. He leaves comments. We don't agree a lot, but I love the fact that he loves talking ball. I love yeah, talking man. ball. That's why we always have these long shows because uh, I love talking ball. Vince loves talking ball. Uh, so I, we'll always have that. And you don't there's not a rule that says you have to agree with us to be welcome to talk ball with us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's where we are. So everybody, thank you so much for the show today. Uh, obviously part one, if you're listening via podcast, part one was the Florida state breakdown. Uh, next week we'll do Toledo and Purdue together. And then of course, as we do every day, we'll have questions and comments after that, but uh, everybody have a great rest of your day. Stay locked into irisbreakdown.com, Of course. And for uh, Brandon and a couple people that talked about, uh, uh, we got criticized, Vince. I'm saying this jokingly because we don't have any baby gear, uh, IB stuff. So Brandon, Brandon sent us that that Twitter photo, and he was, was rocked awesome, out and gap closer stuff, but his baby was not. So that can be corrected now. I, I was up to about four o'clock in the morning last night working on our other project, but then I, you know, while I was waiting on Angela to do some things, I said, well, you know what? Let me add a couple baby things. So we have baby gap closer gear. Is it it up there now? It's up there. It's up there. That's awesome. So we have a gap closer onesie. (laughs) And then we have an Irish breakdown bib. And then we have a youth gap closer shirt. So that is now in. And I also put a gap closer shirt uh, uh, like for a women's shirt. 
so fit a little different. So instead of getting a small men's shirt, we actually yeah. have one that's more tailored to women. So uh, that's on there too. So if you request it, I will do my best to provide it, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So everybody have a great rest of your day. For Vince, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.